Hi everyone and welcome to the clinical scenario attached to the heart failure knowledge videos. Uh, for those listening on a podcast, uh, there are two images in this scenario, an ABG and an ECG. So uh, when you have the time, log on to the website to have a look at those. So the scenario is that you're asked by the ED department to see a 70 year old male with a background of hypertension. Um, the ED SHO believes that they have suspected acute heart failure Please describe how you would assess and manage this patient. So a seven-year-old gentleman with a suspected acute heart failure, um, the first thing I'd do is get a, hat, a full handover from the SHO uh, to understand how sick this gentleman is, uh, and whether they're uh, currently stable, whether they need to move to a place of safety. Um, and I get the pertinent points of the history and examination and investigations that they may have done already. Um, so I didn't repeat myself. Um, and then in terms of things that I'd like to do from the history, I'd like to try and understand why this patient's in acute heart failure, uh, whether there's a coronary cause for this, whether they've got any structural causes such as acute valvular disease, and whether they've got an arrhythmic cause, and then thinking um, wider um, other causes, so acute toxins such as um, alcohol, uh, whether they've got a concurrent infection, so uh, systemic infection or infect, something like infective endocarditis. Uh, so really thinking about uh, taking a full history and uh, my assessments, including my investigations, to try and point me towards why they've suddenly decompensated. Um, and also to ascertain whether this is actually, in fact, heart failure. Um, I can't just take it on rope that this is definitely acute heart failure and I need to be assessing that through my uh, through my history and examination. Um, so, for the, so for the history, I try to understand how acutely these symptoms have come on, uh, whether they have any other symptoms of heart failure, so shortness of breath and exertion, any chest pain, um, any PND, how many pillows they've been using, um, how many pillows they're using at the moment, uh, and if they've noticed any difference to their urine output, uh, and whether they've had these symptoms before. So for all of these questions I'm asking, I'd be trying to understand whether this is completely new, whether this has been progressing over a number of weeks or months. Um, then trying to get an understanding for their how this is affecting their life um, and what they're physically able to do now. So what is their NYHA class? Um, and a bit of background about their medical comorbidities um, to point help me point towards what could be causing um, their underlying problems. Like are they hypertensive? Do they have many coronary artery disease risk factors, they've got risk factors for a P, for example. Um, and then also thinking about uh, obviously any cardiac, cardiac history and a family history of heart failure or sudden cardiac death. Uh, then a social history, including alcohol, as you've mentioned, and drugs, and what current medications they're on. Uh, then my examination will be focused towards uh, trying to ascertain how, uh, how severe uh, their heart failure is, if they do indeed have heart failure. Uh, so I do a full fluid assessment looking for signs of right heart failure, uh, such as peripheral fluid overload and raised JVP, and left heart failure, um, looking, at, looking for pulmonary edema and auscultating the heart proper to look for any valvular heart disease or any uh, flow members which could be suggestive of uh, poking, for example. Um, and then I'd move on to my investigations, uh, which include bedside investigations, such as a 12-lead ECG, an ABG, uh, and, uh, and simple things such as simple things such as a, a blood glucose and a chest x-ray, and 
then I'd move on to doing a bedside B-scan, which would allow me to assess the echocardiographic severity of their heart failure and whether there are any particular pathologies that could be behind this, i.e. have they got a vegetation um, or have they got acute valvular disease uh, or acute ischemia, uh, which could be correlated with their ECG, for example. Uh, okay, um, so thank you. So uh, what you find is that his oxygen saturations are 91% on four litres. His heart rate is 100 beats per minute. Uh, his blood pressure is 170 over 100. Clinically, he is in congestive cardiac failure and his ABG on four litres is shown. Please, could you describe how you would further manage this patient? Okay, so he's clinically in congestive cardiac failure with an ABG uh, on four litres showing, showing he's acidotic with type two respiratory failure. Um, so to me, he needs acute diuresis and to be in a place of safety. So I'd definitely move him to uh, resus in the first instance and commence diuresis and consider catheterizing to monitor his fluid input and output. I'd be asking him about whether he or his family knew what his normal weight was and try and get a weight now as we transfer him uh, to resus so we can get, just get a ballpark estimate of how fluid overloaded he is and how much fluid he has to lose. Um, and as well as starting acute diuresis of the IP frusamide, uh, I'd also consider um, NIV if he wasn't, if his ABG wasn't improving because he's currently in type 2 respiratory failure. Um, and I'd monitor his response to this with in in the acute setting over the next few hours by looking at his urine output um, and his response. Uh, with his a, with his ABG, so his, with so with regards to his oxygenation, um, and thereafter over the next few days in the ward, I could monitor him just use if he did continue to improve by monitoring his weight and his daily fluid balance um, to understand how I, my diuretic is working, whether it needs um, up titrating or down titrating, and aiming for a fluid lot negative negative fluid balance of 0.5 to one kilogram uh, fluid loss per day. Um, and also keeping a very close eye on his use and ease um, because he can, uh, he can go into an AKI with acutely diuresing a patient, especially if they're diuret diuretic naive. Um, and yeah, thank you. Uh, any, any other treatment options that you might consider in the acute stage? You mentioned a few. Yeah, so I would think if he's, uh, so I think, Given he's got type 2 respiratory failure, I think we could also consider, as well as NIV, GTN infusion, especially his blood pressure's uh, 170. He has got room for uh, GTN. Uh, obviously, wouldn't want to drop his blood pressure too much, but it's more to uh, trial GTN. Okay, thank you. Uh, so you managed to stabilise him, and you end up seeing this gentleman uh, in the outpatient clinic in two months' time. He's been discharged on frusamide uh, 40 milligrams once a day and ramipril 2.5 milligrams once a day. And prior to coming to see you in clinic, he's had a, an outpatient uh, departmental echo, which has shown an ejection fraction of 30%. And his preclinic ECG is shown here. So what I'd like you to do is please talk through any further investigation and management options that you would now consider.
So he's, he's one month post-discharge, he's on Ramprol 2.5 milligrams and Fruzamide 40 milligrams. His ECG shows um, broad left bundle branch block with AF um, at a rate of around about, uh, around about 60, 60 beats per minute. Uh, so therefore, the first thing the Spruce one, given that he's got AF, is that I'd need to make sure he's uh, appropriately anticoagulated, taking into account his chat vascular, which would definitely warrant anticoagulation, given he has heart failure, uh, and also assessing his uh, bleeding risk using uh, bleeding risk uh, using the orbit score. Um, and once that uh, once I'd covered that base, I'd need to uh, take a more thorough history, uh, trying to understand how he's got on over the last month and what teams he's currently seeing. Importantly, I want to know whether he'd been, uh, whether he'd had a chance to have any discussions or a follow up with a heart failure MDT and a heart failure nurses. Um, I'm trying to understanding for his current weight and his dry weight and what his weight was at discharge and how that's been changing um, and how he's, and his current MYHA class. Um, and that would help me ascertain his fluids that and my examination today would help me ascertain his current fluid status and whether he needs his diuretics, um, up titrating or down, down titrating, as well as thinking about um, increasing his prognostic medications. So he's only on 2.5 milligrams of Ramprol, so you could definitely, um, uh, that could definitely be up titrated as well, um, as well as thinking about consi considering adding bisoprolol uh, and later on down the line um, an MRA, uh, as well as an SGLT2 inhibitor. I think these are obviously lots of things to start all at once. So my plan would be to try and link him into a heart, a heart failure community team uh, to introduce these in a sequential way and paying close monitoring, uh, close attention to his use and ease as we do this. Um, then I'd also think about other um, tests that we could do. Um, so I certainly want to think about the cause of his heart failure. Um, so we've had a transthoracic echo. It wouldn't be unreasonable to think about doing um, a, a HALT monitor um, to see if he's having any significant uh, arrhythmias uh, and also to think about a cardiac MRI to see if this would help give us any further clues um, about the cause of his heart failure and possibly um, thinking about an assessment of his coronary arteries and um, people with a, you could commence with a CTCA if he's like currently asymptomatic or we think about stress, uh, stress testing. Um, so yeah, so I think assessing the causes of his heart failure and see if there's anything, importantly if there's anything reversible, and then really counselling the patient to see what he wants and see what he understood of his, understood of his uh, disease um, and what he wants, because that does dictate to an extent the next steps in a management, especially if we're thinking about device therapy, um, if his ejection fraction doesn't significantly improve on our current therapies. Okay, um, so you you repeat um, the transthoracic echo after establishing this patient on the medical therapy that you discussed, uh, and you see him in clinic again uh, three months down the line. His ejection fraction is still thirty percent. His ECG is unchanged from previous. What further options would you have to optimize this patient's management? So given that he's got heart failure, 
if he was still symptomatic in the MYHA class of two to three, um, and he's got an EF of 30% on optimal medical therapy, uh, I could, A, consider um, discussing with my uh, consultant um, and half of the team about transferring him to um, an ARNI, uh, but it also seemed that the time might have come to consider referring this patient for a uh, device therapy and given he's got left bundle branch block um broad left bundle branch block a crt would be a crt d would be indicated given his ef is 30 percent um but that would need to be an important discussion with the patient about what they would want um and also to make them appreciate that a, a defibrillator defibrillator aspect um is there to prevent malignant ventricular arrhythmias which are uh, far more common in heart failure, but the fact they would also need to be uh, turned off uh, when he comes to the end of his natural life. So it's not a life-saving uh, therapy forever. Um, and this is something I'd probably do with definitely the support of my consultant uh, and also the support of uh, our ICD, uh, ICD nurses or our heart failure nurses, um, because this is quite difficult a lot to take in for the patients um and i'd want to make sure that he had appropriate support and appropriate understanding um, so we could also do this in a set of stage consultations if needed okay thank you very much that ends the scenario thank you